We are back. This is Inside LAFC, Max and Vince podcast, welcoming you in. Thanks for your support. A reminder here to please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We know a lot of people aren't in cars as much, but maybe pick it up and listen on your phone while you're at home doing chores or what have you. But we certainly appreciate the support, and we do miss you. I am Max Bredos, Vince LaRosa. Hello, Vince. Hi, Max. It's always good to see you digitally again. Yes, we are. We, we keep connected here through our Skype feed. And uh, we'll continue to have some cool guests. We'll have a really nice one. I think a guy that many out there, if not everyone involved with LAFC, misses very much, at least his voice. Him in person, too, because he's a lovely guy. But his voice, you're missing it. We're talking about Dave Denholm. So we look forward to seeing Dave. And Vince, we're bringing him in because while we'll talk a little bit about what's happening, we're going we're gonna to pivot here so that we can talk about what would have been Major League Soccer's 25th year. I'm an old-timer. Dave's an old-timer. So you can help chip in here, youngin. And and let's revisit the history of Major League Soccer in this podcast and some of the moments that were important to us. Is this a weird feeling for you, Max? Like, I feel like I should be hosting and you should be the expert. Like, I should be the one going, I, I need to go to you guys because you guys definitely know the ins and outs and what it was like to be there from the beginning. And I can't wait to dive into it with you and Denholm and talk about what, what it was like broadcasting games in those early years. It's got to be. I, I, I've heard a few of the stories. Some we can't air, but I, I've heard some things. I've heard some I, things. I had some great traveling roadshow days with uh, Mark Rogandino, who's with LFC, uh, uh, Todd Grisham, who was with WWE, and then with ESPN. And he, we had a group, Christopher Sullivan. We'd hit the road back in the day, and it really would be like traveling minstrels going across MLS cities like Salt Lake and Houston and Secaucus, New Jersey, watching the Red Bulls. So uh, it's, it's a league that's very near and dear to me. So we'll have some fun with this. Yeah, I'm guessing you guys had to have had a pretty tight band of, of guys doing that because who else wanted to be broadcasting soccer at that time? And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I just literally, that was the landscape. I, w- I will say this before. We, we had our first ever broadcast on Fox Soccer Channel, our first MLS broadcast. It must have been around 2006. So we were all excited. We had a national MLS game. And everything went wrong that day. We had the work. Everything went wrong. So, I mean, we talk, I talk about it with some of our... Uh, uh, my colleagues are on there, but it was like, oh my God, this is not the way you want to start. But uh, we muscled through it, and we had some good times. Hey, well, I would, I would like to... well, let me ask Sorry, you. I, I want to get it. No, no, you, so you're the expert today, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do the questions. But I'm gonna ask you what when you think is there a player or just something that embodies early MLS for you? Like I said, it could be a player. Maybe it's the uh, the crazy penalty kicks that we had for what was that like a year and a half. Uh, to end games, like what? What? What is old MLS? What is 1996? 25 years of MLS to you? Well, I will say this: in 1996, I was involved in covering soccer. I was at Fox Sports World, and just right around then, I started. So I finished college in '94, '94, '94, and I pivoted over. And when I did it, I didn't touch MLS. I saw from afar. I remember it was a. Uh, it was like Rick Davis was calling the games, and he was like oh, the, oh. and he'd call all the games. And uh, I remember some of the broadcasters, and there's someone showed the first one with Phil Shane, and what's his name? Oh. Ty Keogh. And Ty Keogh. Ty Keogh and his great hair, and eventually Winalda would come in on that. So I remember that, and uh, I remember the ridicule it received for a lot of reasons. I remember you know, Keith Olbermann and making fun of you know the names. I remember the first day they came on, he goes. Two of the team names are the Dallas Bird and the Kansas City Wiz, and soccer fans' heads all bowed down. We're going, oh boy. 
but you know, this was a it was a crazy time. And I I started getting more involved. I think ninety nine two thousand with MLS, and then it just grew from there. I think uh, some people find out I, I I was the LA Galaxy announcer. I think from uh, maybe two thousand one to two thousand five around there. So uh, which was great. I mean, I joined that franchise when they hadn't won anything, and in two thousand two they won, and in two thousand five. So to be part of those two. And I think people, because Galaxy are showing some of their classic games. Alex Sale, in our department, he, he got a clip from the Galaxy website. He goes, is this you? And I go, yeah, it is. And it was Landon Donovan's first goal, which was 2005. So it's been a crazy, it's a crazy ride. That's what I mean. But legitimately, that's one of the cooler things. I mean, to think about, like, there is no one the birth of a league like they don't those people don't exist and if they do they're 125 years old but like there's no one that can go back to say like i remember doing this and it's such it's one of the things that sometimes we like we we maybe as mls fans uh we 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 shy away from because we have this somewhat of inferiority inferiority complex sometimes when it comes to european soccer and things like that but man when we look back on it and it, one i look back on it having been a kid that was a fan and now seeing and knowing what football is and what good football is and saying, look, we may not be quite at the level we think we want to be at, but man, it's come a long ways and it's been a lot of fun. And to me, the, you know what the, the thing that you brought up that actually was going to be my thing, it was the weird team names, the weird team names and crazy jerseys. I mean, as a kid, I loved it. Yeah. Well, remember the hit too. We had like Gordon Henry, was he, was it, uh, his last name was Hendry, and he had the long hair. He's a Scottish guy. Obviously, Valderrama, uh, Echeverri. It was so – because they had these huge names from South America coming here. I mean, that, that should not be diminished on it that uh, Jaime Moreno, that these guys came to Major League Soccer. And I think those were really informative uh, – important formative years for the league because from that point on through, I'd say, the first 15 years, as I started covering it, you always had this feeling that the league would cease to exist at any point the league would start its season and no one would be that excited that's completely different now the season starts and you're thrilled the off season is thrilling because of all the activity this off season was the best off season in major league soccer history in my opinion because so many clubs were active clubs like vancouver and cincinnati at the bottom had to go and make a splash and they did so i mean but the first those 15 years i mean the season would start and go oh mls season's here and uh it was you were all on board, so you didn't say anything discouraging, but it was – that was always in the back of your mind. And, you know, the history books tell you now that, you know, Don Garber and they talk about it. You know, this was – with the ownership situation, it was touch and go there for a while. Yeah, when, I don't remember the exact year, but there was obviously the year of the contraction. I mean, you were around for that. What, what were those times like? What was kind of the vibe? Especially being a TV broadcaster, it's going to be a weird feeling because you guys are just getting kind of secondhand information. This might be happening, and then all of a sudden it comes out. And you're like, okay, we're going to broadcast this league with how many less teams? Who's not there anymore? Yeah, and being a Miami guy, the Miami Fusion, I was kind of getting a little bit of a um, a fandom for them, uh, so to speak. But uh, it, I guess it had to be done. I mean, it was like stop the bleeding a bit. But um, it, was, it was strange. And when everything happened, when the South started to develop again, with regards to Atlanta and Orlando, I didn't. I was always had my guard up because I figured let's not go that direction with this league. But I've I've definitely apologized since 
because uh, clearly the league was in a good shape. I want to. I'm trying to bring up here on my computer U.S. Open Cup of final history. I remember there was one in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I believe Bob's coaching, and they beat the Miami Fusion. That would have been uh, 2000, right? It was 2000, and yeah. I remember Miami and the players and Ray Hudson and. I had a great time. It was the first time I really traveled. I mean, we do stuff off the monitor and our bosses were doing the U.S. Open Cup. We're going to Chicago. It was me and Alan Hopkins. And it was really, it was a great experience to call a big game. The U.S. Open Cup obviously wasn't, by the way, the U.S. Open Cup's being aired a lot. And my voice is on, I think, nine of them from 98 to 2007. uh, Sorry about that, America. (laughs) But uh, it was, uh, the ownership thing is always strange because you had Lamar Hunt, you had Phil Anschutz. They own multiple teams, and they were waiting for owners. And now we have an ownership list through the roof. We have this new owner in Charlotte who dropped whatever three hundred million dollars to. Uh, was that is that my making up numbers? It was about that, right? It was. I mean, it was huge. Yeah. David Tepper was in. So, and then obviously the players back then. I mean, we had that first wave of these great South American superstars. Uh, that I mentioned, some Central American, and the biggest in the U.S. were were obviously around there. You know, John Harks and Winalda and and so forth. But um, it, there was such a when it started to grow. And I remember one year they released the the payrolls. They released the payrolls now of the teams, and there's some guys. The minimum they should be making more, but it wasn't like back then when I saw. The minimum of a guy, a professional soccer player on an MLS team, the number was, and there was a bunch of guys who were making this, $12,500. $12,500. Wow. Multiple wow. players make that money. And that's when you go, how can you? Yeah. We I remember Steve, Steve Sampson was the coach of the Galaxy, and one guy broke a team rule and he goes, that's it. You're being fined. And, you know, sports fines, you think, all right, 10 grand, 20 grand. It was for 500 bucks. And it was a pretty serious rip rule. That's break. a lot. It's five. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't one of the guys making twelve five. Hopefully. Right. Well, I, I think there was a story that came out, and it was with because uh, lately the Athletic's been going back and, and writing a bunch of MLS and twenty five stories, and there was a story with Thomas Rongen, and there was two a high profile player and a not so high profile player, and Thomas Rongen said, "Well, I had to find the one guy like fifty bucks because he wasn't making anything, and the other guy was like five hundred dollars, but he, he he knew he knew immediately when he." He saw them fighting. He was like, okay, I got to find both of them. And then the second thing that came to his head, he goes, definitely can't find them the same amount. Right. You know what? It, the, the fine wasn't 500 It was 50 bucks. It was a 50 buck fine. I don't, I don't want a $50 fine. I get a parking ticket. I get upset. But, you know, when it's not what you're expected in a pro sports. But, you know, in Major League Soccer, as it grew, you were, as, as someone who watched it and wanted to grow more, you were going, let's bring in the players. Let's bring in the players. And it never quite happened. And the, the message was, we're not going to be like the NASL. We're going to bring in these huge stars like Johan Cruyff and Pele. And we're going to help grow. And in, in hindsight, it was the right move until they were ready. And I remember that day. I'm curious here with Dave, because Dave obviously is not only a major league soccer historian, but one in Los Angeles as well. When uh, David Beckham came, and that was like the first day where I think people even acknowledged the league since '96, when Keith Olbermann mentioned the Wiz and the Burn, which you know I think they said they like sounded like venereal diseases, which I can't argue that. I believe that was the joke, 
But uh, I mean, Keith, from Keith's 90... pretty good. Keith, Keith. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, we, he gets a lot of stick, but when he really nails his stuff and does his good monologues, Keith's pretty good. For sure. For sure. Oh, I should say 2007 with uh, David Beckham and then 05 when Landon came in. And I will say the same way uh, that Galaxy team was really interesting uh, in 2002 to 2005 when it was Ziggy Schmidt and then they moved – uh, they went to Steve Sampson. Uh, Doug Hamilton was the GM. The late Doug Hamilton actually hired me for that job. And the Tim Lye Wiki, the development of what was then the Home Depot Center, now Dignity Health Sports Park. And there's like photos of me with a hard hat there right before that opened, the same way it was with Bank of California Stadium. And I, I kind of piece those two together as important dates because we can – the LAC family, we can have fun and call them Carson and, and Karen, but without that stadium, I don't think it, it all begins because that was a huge project. I mean, that was a stadium that wasn't just a soccer field. It was a concert venue. It was tennis courts. It was a velodrome. For them, for Phil Anschutz to drop that, that kind of said, all right, now now you have your tent pole here with the league. It's this Galaxy team that is spending money and having this state-of-the-art venue. So I think that Landon, the whole Galaxy thing, and again, our our vision of what the Galaxy is, but those three big most movements really started to usher in the new era of making songs. Yeah, I mean, I know it's kind of it's been kind of uh, made a, made into a joke. MLS 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, but I think the what the importance of that is is just it has to reinvent itself. It has to kind of come in waves. And you make a good point that soccer specific stadium, that whole complex that area that you know you're coming here for sports events and then to think how we've reinvented it now to where everyone needs to have a downtown stadium where you have teams like the Chicago Fire who, who for all intents and purposes could say well we just moved out here this is where we want to be we don't have to be downtown now it's like no 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 don't even think about joining the league if one you don't have a downtown stadium that has easy access with with the metro population and two, if you're not considering bringing in young stars, not just guys that we, we know their names, but you want to you want to have a guy that you can really stake your claim to and, and maybe you move him on and that way he's that, that kind of cult hero of your club, which I think is another uh, rebranding of the league that, that's been for the best. Yeah, the way it's uh, – the situation we're in now is so new about how they build rosters and it really happened with Atlanta, LAFC – Prior to that, Seattle, but I mean, I think they were the Sounders arrived still when it was like the the last uh, edition of Major League Soccer. But they were coming off the back end where we were bringing in the big name players from Europe, which we still do. Although that's starting to peter out. I think Zlatan was a great signing for the league because it brought a lot of exposure. He scored a lot of goals. He was a great uh, soundbite. But those kind of players. You have to be pretty exceptional, I think, to be considered, at least for the price tag. If you want to come here and you're not 35, you're 32. But, you know, I mean, that was a troubling that – was, that was an exciting time. But it was also – they didn't get a lot of bang for the, the, the buck. I mean, you think of Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard, Andrea Pirlo, uh, several others, a lesser degrees like the Danielson, who was this World Cup hero and came here and played two games. Right. But they were tr- – they were trying so hard to do it, and I, I mean that was a tough. That's a time where things could have come off the rails a bit, because you know if you're a player making an honest living, and these guys come in and they're obviously in retirement mode, and they're making 
four, five, six million, that's going to cause a, a real rift. So I, I, it's been good to see MLS get out of that and now look more like a traditional league, not just the supporters, but the players, the coaching across the board. Yeah, it's been actually, I've been very happy the amount of guys that come here and the first thing they say is, man, this is no joke. And I think that was the problem when you had guys like Lampard coming in and they look around and they're at training one day and they're like, man, these guys aren't that good. I'm just going to collect my paycheck. I'm just going to play out, play out my time. Now guys are coming in and they're like, hey, th this kid next to me, he's not making that much money. He's really good. And you know what? If I don't keep up my end of the bargain, I'm out because th they're not just spending money to spend money. They've got a guy that can do better work than I can and he makes less money. And guess what? On the back end, they're going to be able to sell him and they're going to definitely make more money off him. So these guys... They don't want to be embarrassed anymore. And it used to be you could come here and kick the, you could be Andrea Pirlo. You kick the ball around, take a few corner kicks, take a few free kicks. No big deal. But now, and it's that infusion of not just young talent here through the academies and things like that, but it's been the the things that like LAFC have done, that Atlanta have done, the scouting. And that's, I think that's a good delineation. Seattle to me is, is part of that kind of new breed, but they were, they were that, that breed that brought in the culture, right? They brought in the, you know, the, 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 packed stadium, packed NFL stadium. And then now we've got LAFC who's bringing in the culture and not just that, but the scouting. And I think we're, we're just getting bits and pieces together. But this MLS league now, man, it's looking, it's looking like it's whole. Look, it may not be where it's wanted to be, but it's got the mechanisms in place, a lot of them, to where it could, it really can, you can say, hey, well, I'm here for the um, culture. Well, guess what? Look at these stadiums. Look at what these fans are putting together. And man, they're not run by the clubs. These are just fans that want to do this. And then you say, well, I want to see young stars that maybe go to Europe. Well, we're starting to get more of those. Hey, I still want to see some just entertainment. Maybe I just want a Wayne Rooney every once in a while. There's still guys like that every once in a while. I mean, there's there's yeah. all aspects of the league that you really could love. The list goes on and on when you look at the big name players that have come here. But there's been a group that I think uh, – had a significant role in getting us to the point we are. Obviously, David Beckham and his, say what you want about David Beckham, he was a massive success and he was always there to uh, push the league over a bit. The, the Grant Wall book, The Beckham Experiment, you, you see how the culture of the players changed where they would go to you know, awful settings for hotels and, and meals and it wasn't big time. And if the players aren't feeling that, and he changed that, obviously there's a dollar sign attached to that, but he really helped change that. Uh, Robbie Keane joined him and that was huge uh, for a long way at the Galaxy. Terry Henry, the expectations were huge. I don't know if he ever met them on the field, but the way he came about and did it, uh, and, and now as a coach, you could see a guy who really bought into the league and those, those years were important. And then the guys got a little younger, David Villa, Although they didn't have the success with MLS Cups in uh, – Juan Pablo Angel is another one I'd put in there. David Villa came in younger and I think lifted the standard. Sebastian Jovinko did it. An older guy, Didier Drogba, I think you got to give some credit. Cuauhtémoc Blanco is a guy who had a real impact in a short time. But there's like 10 or 12 guys there that I think were essential in speeding up the process. And to your point about the culture – the arrival of those clubs that have a, that had a built-in identity, such as the uh, Portland and Seattle, and when the rebirth of the earthquakes kind of those kind of things came a long way, and then it kind of all blew up with expansion taking over. So it's a 
I mean, the cap's off for this league. It's gotten huge. But when you look back at 25 years, there's just a lot. There's just a, a, there's so many pieces, more than you would ever think you could remember. If you dig in, you go down a huge rabbit hole with this league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on the balance of things, when you consider, like you said, there was years where you were like, hey, the season started. We didn't even know. So it could easily disappear. When you go on the balance of things over the 25 years, I think you have to say, and look, we're going to be called shills for the league, but I think you have to say it's been successful. And like I said, the pieces of the puzzle are starting to be put together to the fact where we're getting good games, really good games that we don't even imagine. Look, I did not imagine Philadelphia versus LAFC was going to be the type of game that we got. I knew what Philadelphia was about. I knew they had an identity. I knew they had a couple of players. But man, just that's that's just a regular game. Honestly, a week in, week out game. And that's the thing that we're starting to get now. We're, we're getting games where LA plays Philadelphia, Atlanta plays uh, Seattle. And these are just great games. They're not even, they're not conference games. They're not playoff games. They're just great games every other week or so. And the more and more we can get of those, I think the, the better off we'll be for the next 25 years. I will say there was a constant with um, the league that I think I, I overlook and maybe others do was just the development of the American coach and Bob Bradley's one of those guys who were there from the beginning. Yeah. And it had to be difficult because it's a it's a much more sophisticated game that he coaches. He has a lot more resources. He has a lot more money at his fingertips where he can create this team that he probably always dreamt of. But back then, it was Bob. It was Bruce Arena who had this incredible return to the Galaxy, and they had their championships. Ziggy Schmidt, the late Ziggy Schmidt, who is just the true gentleman of this league, uh, so many years not getting to touch the championship and then finally being able to do that with Columbus. Brian Schmetzer, who took over and has really surprised a lot of people with the success and how he can connect to a Seattle squad that has players from all over the spectrum that have come in. And he's put them under there, and that's a big reason why they are the champs. He's a guy who knows how to navigate Major League Soccer. Greg Vanny, uh, guys like that that have played and, and seen how it's played out and are now bringing that know-how. A guy like John Thorrington with LAFC who played here, saw it, and we're a part of building that into a, a better league with all the knowledge they had on the field and all the work they did off of it. So the league's kind of fed itself in a, and replenished itself. In a real That's always been an encouraging sign to see those involved with the league bringing it back. I like to include myself on that. I like to include some of the broadcasters who've done that to be part of that uh, winning winning strategy. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll bring Dave on with you, but I, I think you – I don't want to give you too much credit, Max, but I, I 100% agree with you. I'm going to say this. The, the people like you and the people that you mentioned, like Bob, um, like Siggy Schmidt, like Greg Vanny, the ones that have kind of gone through the evolutions and gone through the hardships have been the ones that have contributed the most to this league. And I think it's a testament to this league that it doesn't always work out just because you bring in a big-name coach or a big-name player. You have to actually buy into this league. And those people that, that have and that have struggled through it, it's, it's nice to see them succeeding. So it's nice to have you here with us at LFC. It's nice to have Dave doing our call. So I, I think guys like you are being rewarded now with a, a very pleasant product for once. So I, I think you I think you got that at least. Thanks, Vince. Hey, well, let's bring in Dave. Let's take a break and we'll bring in Dave and let's uh, let's continue the conversation. Perfect. All right, inside LFC, Max and Vince and Double D. Dave Denholm joins us next here. We are back. 
back on Inside LAFC, Max and Vince, and our pleasure now to welcome, as advertised, a man that everyone is missing, the sweet dulcet tones of Dave Denholm. <laughs> Hello, Dave. Hey, Max. Hey, Vince. How are you guys? It's a pleasure to talk to you. Before we go any further, Dave, I cannot tell you how much I miss halftime of a home game. You roll <laughs> out your radio booth. You either come out to say, that was amazing, yeah. or hang on, and then yeah. we have one minute debate, and like clockwork, John Thornton walks by. We'll say something with him. He goes his way, and then we all go back to our second half jobs. Mm. It's, it's I love it because it was it was I could set my clock to it. Yeah, no, we don't mess around because we don't have time to mess around at halftime. Just like fans, they got to go get whatever they want, get maybe go use the restroom and get back to their seat. We got kind of a similar time crunch, obviously. So yeah, you're right. It's fun, and now we got it almost down to a science. Like you say, I know when John Thornton's going to come walking by. It's usually <laughs> exactly right the same place i'm at the same place uh it was funny for the leon game you know the obviously the great victory uh he said as he walked by very very stoic not somber by any means because they had a good first half but he stoically told me as i walked the other way he said that was the best we've ever played and then he wow. just kept walking and i thought at first <laughs> i thought it was kind of like it seemed like he was upset so i thought he was joking and then i'm like well of course he's right that was the best they've ever played and then it only got better from there so that was kind of funny but yeah, I miss it bad. I'm not going to lie. I'm just, I'm champing at the bid here. Let's go. How, we've got to ask you, how are you holding up uh, right now? I know you're, as you said, champing at the bit, but we're going to talk about 25 years of MLS. How are you feeling these days? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously things could be uh, better, but they could be a lot worse for a guy like me. So I'm not exactly, uh, you know, in any bad shape. I'm sitting at home, <laughs> uh, you know, snug and Essentially only going out for the very essential things and, uh, and and honestly, sometimes getting the food delivered, quite frankly, so I don't have to go out. My wife is working from home. Yes, I'm not working, but I do take care of my 17-month-old uh, all day, which is fun. So, yeah, we got a lot of that, a lot of quality time with the dad and little baby. So, you know, no complaints at all. I just hope everybody's okay. I hope, you know, we all continue to adhere, adhere to the plan as the authorities have told us. And let's just make sure we get this, uh, you know taking care of it as quickly as possible, but as safely as possible. Yeah, Dave's got Dave's got real things to do, like taking care of a child and like people that are doing radio calls of dogs walking through the park or whatever else is going <laughs> on out there these days. But I Dave, haven't yet tried that, Vince. I got a little something in my back pocket that uh, we may pull out here soon. I'm not going to, no promises, but I'll just, I'll keep everybody informed on Twitter, or whatever, social media, if indeed I can pull that off. We'll see. Well, Dave, I can tell you from, from being on some things with, with LFC supporters and fans, man, they miss you. So whatever you got in your back pocket, they, they probably can't wait to, to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, pass along. I miss them too. There's no doubt about it. Let's, uh, yeah, I definitely want to get back as safely, but as quickly as possible. Well, Dave, this is, a, this is a weird episode for me because usually Max comes to me because I got all the answers. I'm the expert. But yeah. today, I feel like I'm the host and you two are the experts. I, I can't even... I can't even scratch the surface of the knowledge that you two have, probably historical knowledge of being in and around MLS over the past 25 years. I don't mean that as a slight. You say we're old. You say I'm saying we're old, exactly. No, I don't mean that as a slight because you are, well, look, I, I, love, I love that both of you always have the weirdest stories and you guys both have a flair for, for the minutia that might, other people might go, oh, that doesn't matter, but it makes me laugh. So that's yeah. why I wanted to have you on here, Dave, because- and one of the first things I asked Max was, when you think back to just MLS in the early days, it could be 96, the first couple of years, what's the one thing that you go back to? Is it, is it the hair? 
Is it the is it the jerseys? Is it is it a player? What what is it that you go back to? I, here's the thing, Vince. Honestly, I can't go back to one thing. There's a couple of things that do stand out. Uh, first, it was like that was honestly is how I fell in love with soccer was the '94 World Cup. So I always tie in the '94 World Cup with the start of MLS because essentially they had to start MLS in order to get the World Cup. That was kind of the promise. So I loved professional sports my whole life. Being a Clevelander, we're not a huge college town except for you know Ohio State Buckeye football, but we're a professional sports town. So I was enraptured with the fact that a, a, a professional soccer league was starting up again. I wasn't an NASL fan. I just, when we were young in Cleveland, we hated soccer for no good reason. So I didn't quite get onto that train. We did like our indoor soccer. So I was really looking forward to that event. I remember it from the 94 World Cup and then the buildup for the next couple of years. And then you saw the uniforms and you're like, this is like, oh boy. I don't, and then, you know, the shootout, <laughs> the shootout with me. I know a guy, you know, you know, Alexi Lalas. I've had my run-ins with Alexi, you know, all in good, clean fun. I don't understand how anybody like he could like the shootout. I thought it was ridiculous. And to this day, I think it's ridiculous. So I kind of, there was things you had to grit your teeth through, quite frankly. And I was no purist. I'm not sitting here saying I was the, the biggest and best soccer fan at the time. I was newbie. But even I knew that we shouldn't be counting down the clock and wasting the last 40 seconds of a game, which always happened in the very early years of MLS, as Max can attest to. Yeah. You know, because I, in fact, Phil Shane, you, know, you used to hear Phil like five, four, <laughs> three. And there was no drama to that at all, guys. How many times is a guy going to score in the final 10 clicks of a clock? You needed that. You know, we needed to play by the rules of the world. And, you know, they just weren't doing it at the time, quite frankly, with the shootout and all that. And so that kind of nagged at me for a little while. But man, once I once I got in, uh, I was in, you know, both feet. Vince, one story I'll tell you right from the early years, and I believe it was the first season. Uh, I was still in Ohio. I was uh, so I drove down to Columbus Crew game because that was the team that I was watching more of. I, I hadn't yet really figured out who I was going to be a fan of. It just didn't. The Crew was, you know, kind of the team I followed closely. And um, so I went down to a game with my, I took my father, who's a diehard sport fan, doesn't really, at this time, doesn't like soccer at all much. So we go down and we're watching the crew take on Alexi Lalas and New England. And the game is counting down and we're about, probably about four or five minutes to go. Goal for Columbus, right? Go, fans, places going nuts. They take the lead. I think it was a 3-2. They count down the final two minutes, whatever, and the fans run on to the Ohio Stadium. This is the Buckeye Stadium at the time, remember? Run onto the pitch, some 15,000, 20,000. And, and, all, and all the people are running on to go celebrate. And I hear the public address announcer, uh, please get off the field. And immediately everybody just walked off the field. Like it was like, oh, sorry. You know, like this was not a soccer hooligan crowd by any means. It was like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. We're not supposed to be here. And then he just walked back off the field. And the, the crew just celebrated. It was the weirdest thing as a sports fan. But those are the little things. You know, I remember... Going, I was covering the, at the time when I finally got to LA, and this was 1999, uh, Max, and uh, I was doing a sports talk radio at uh, a station called AM 11 Extra Sports 1150 in LA, which is no longer existing. But uh, I was doing the afternoons, so they sent us to cover the Dodgers in Vero Beach for spring training. Well, we land. My partner was Newey Scruggs. People will remember that name. Great. We land in Orlando. And we got to drive to Vero Beach, Zero Beach, as we all, everybody, it was a flower drive. And I was on the plane coming from L.A. telling Newey, there's a Tampa Bay mutiny game 
That's like an, it kicks off like an hour after we land in Orlando. It's going to be tight, but if we get our rental car, can we go? If I can get us in, can we go? And I kept Patrick because we had to share a rental car. And we still had a couple hour drive the other way to get to Vero Beach. And he's like, no way. What are we not going to a Tampa Bay mutiny game? I don't like people, you know, at the time, nobody even. And I'm like, come on, Dewey, we got to go. We got to go. This is history. It's Steve Ralston. It's Valderrama, you know. So he finally relents. I get on the phone as soon as we land. Like, can we get passes? I don't even know who to call. I'm just trying to call somebody. They get squared away about 10 minutes before kickoff as we're pulling into the lot. And we go see a Tampa Bay mutiny game. I have no idea what happened in the game. I still can't remember it, but we went and I, I dragged a guy who didn't have a, a lick of concern for soccer to a Tampa Bay mutiny game in a football stadium that was probably, you know, that had about 700 people in the crowd. And uh, and that's one thing that Vince, uh, another thing that I remember early in the days, Max, you're, we used to worry about the attendance. Like, yes, I mean, you would tear like, yeah, I mean, uh, Max is right. We used to like, really take that seriously i would look at every box score first not for the final score but for oh man 8400 or oh boy 6400 at a chicago fire game in the middle you know in the middle of a cold night or oh boy tampa bay another 7000 that stopped along the way several years later vince that didn't matter anymore because everybody goes to mls games and i don't care about the attendance of an individual game that the, that story, that Tampa Bay story, is is exactly how I imagine you did. Because when, when we talk, I, I always love when you'll come to me and go, Vince, have you been watching uh, Venezuelan <laughs> soccer lately? <laughs> nope, no, Dave. Quite frankly, I haven't been. And you're like, oh man, I got to tell you, there's some fullbacks playing there. I mean, there's some, and, and that 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 enthusiasm of you trying to drag that guy there is you trying to get me to watch like Peruvian or Papua New Guinea yeah. somewhere, somewhere I've never heard of. That that I'm that you're like, there's some players there, and I'm like. Man, Dave, the, the love of the game, and that's why, again, that's why I wanted to bring you on for these stories, because the love of the game and the love of just the small things, you know? Yeah, well, you know, and uh, we don't say it lightly, Vince. Guys like Max and I, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but we really had to battle uphill. This was not 2019. I mean, people hated soccer in 1999 in America for no good. They didn't even know why. Hated. I, yeah, I'm doing sports talk in L.A., English speaking, that's the difference. And people mocked me. The other co-hosts mocked me for loving soccer. In Los Angeles, the best soccer market in North America, along with Mexico City, and one of the best soccer markets in the world, even then. And yet, on the English speaking side, we were just mocked for loving the game. So, I mean, I I, I take some pride in that, frankly, that uh, I didn't lose that or I didn't really care what people thought about it because I knew that I love the game for the right reasons, and I always would. So, you know, I'm glad people have caught up to us 30 years later almost, or 25 years later now, Max. But we're trailblazers, baby. I got, it's just the uh, I'll take it. I'll be on that bank bank with you any day, Dave. And <laughs> by the, for the record, you left me a lot here to react to from <laughs> Ohio Stadium. When you mentioned I want to go to a mutiny fan game, and you listed Steve Ralston before Carlos Valderrama, that's huge. But I will say this. Um, Back then, a guy like Carlos Valderrama was able to function and play the way he did because he had a guy like Ralston next to him who did all the running, covered all the ground so that Valderrama could do the creative things, do beautiful things. And I think you see those partnerships throughout the league 100 percent as, the, as they go. And to, to your point about I mean, you, when you're called the soccer guy, it was like the ugliest thing you could have been called. But that was that was it. People rolled their eyes. 
and eventually things got better. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on was the attendance, and that hit me like a fist because I would sit there calling games, looking at the turnstile, going, more people, please come in, please come in. Yep. 2004, was it 2000, 2004. Uh, so it was the Western Conference Final on Fox, Fox Soccer Channel, not the big Fox, and it was the Kansas City Wizards facing the LA Galaxy on uh, at Arrowhead Stadium. So this is a massive NFL stadium, and I'm sitting there going, please, more people come in. There was like three, 4,000 people in this giant stadium. So we called the game. You have the trophy, and it's just juxtaposed because you're the – you feel like no one's paying attention. Those are some good teams with some good players on them. Kansas City won and won MLS Cup. I actually will remember – this is a little side story that we were in the truck, and there was a play that um, it, we thought it was a penalty – but it was a penalty. It was absolutely a handball in the area. And after the game, Tony Miola comes to the truck with his goalkeeping gloves on everything, opens the door like he heard our conversation. There's no way he could have. And he goes, hey, that wasn't a penalty. And then we all looked at him and go, okay, that's a wrap for the evening. But I remember that. That's the one game I'll remember. It was so empty. And there's moments because it was a good game. The players, yeah. the product's good. But if no one's watching, this will never survive. And for us to be having this conversation in 2020 – is a kick in the trousers. There's no other way to put it. And the league, obviously, is not being played right now, but is as healthy as it's been. The ownership group is through the roof. Soccer-specific stadiums and people coming to the games. Oh, I mean, Max, it's, it's you know, people talk about MLS 2.0 and MLS. It's MLS 10.0 right now compared to 1996. And there's just no – and I'm not saying the players were – look, there were some fine players – that were in the league, Valderrama being certainly one of them. He was magical. He could have played anywhere in the world. And for my money, was one of the best players I've ever seen. Uh, but look, bottom line is we got on each team now, you have legitimately 26 professionals. Maybe some, some teams have a higher, you know, maybe they push the 28 Ross, whatever. I mean, back then there were guys who were considering whether they're going to go, you know, work in their dad's butcher shop instead next week, you know, or maybe they're going to go off to grad school or they're going to, because it was just starting out. I mean, that's just the way it was. And there's no disrespect to those players, but the teams are just so much better in the sense of depth and everything else, you know, and just the training to sell everything. I mean, Max talked about it. Look, a team like LA, the, the Galaxy, they always drew pretty well. But you played in the Rose Bowl. You could hear you could hear the concessions guys yelling at the fan, even though they were making noise, 20,000 people. You played in a 100,000-seat state. You know, it just wasn't going to make a difference, you know, and – and they always had good crowds. You never had to worry about the Galaxy crowds in that sense back in that day. But I remember the game Max is talking about. I remember it was like 4,086 fans, quite literally, for a Western Conference final because it probably was on a Wednesday, Max. So heaven forbid you could be, you know, you didn't, you didn't get 32 weeks to sell tickets for a game in MLS back then because it was so hard to get people in. And I got to be honest with you, one of the most amazing transformations in the history of sport in America. And I don't, I mean, they should write books about this is going from Kansas city wizards to sporting Kansas city. And all of a sudden it seemed like the next day they were immensely popular. I don't know what that franchise did. I mean, I know besides the obvious changes and a new stadium, I get it, but it was like not night and day doesn't even describe it. We're talking, as Max said, four, five, six thousand people at a game, if you're lucky, if we're counting twice, to all of a sudden they're popular. How did that happen? And those are the kind of things you worried about back in the day. 
And now yeah. they have traveling supporters. And it wasn't just families. It's it's like ultra fans. It happened like this. It was bizarre. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I would venture to say, and I'm not saying that they were miscounting on purpose. Right? I would venture to say there were games where there were less than a thousand people in the stands. Like, I've been to, I, I was in a bad weather night or something like that. Yeah, there were games that were played. Max, you probably called a few of them. I mean, Giants, U.S. Open Cup game. It, was in, it should not have been played there. It should have been played in a parking lot. It was a, there was like eight people there. <laughs> See, those, I mean, we can laugh about it now, thankfully. But, you know, at that time, Vince, I mean, I'm, I was a fan who was worried the league was going to be gone. So, yeah. you know, now those things don't even, they don't even cross anybody's mind, thankfully. Well, I love that you said MLS 10.0 because I referenced the, the point O's and how, I mean, I, I know John Thornton always jokes about it. He goes, what, what, what are we, 2.5, 2, what, yeah. like he likes oh, to joke about it. But I think you make a good point. 10.0 might be right because what I was telling Max was it's all it's been pieces of the puzzle. It's been, we've just putting bits together. And what people don't understand is it's really, it's only been 25 years. It seems longer, but to think that you now have traveling supporters, you have culture, you have teams that, that legitimately yeah. know the the way they, they want to play. And then on top of it, you have the inf- infrastructure. I mean, the one thing that anytime someone comes and meets us at the LAFC Performance Center is, oh man, look at this place. And, yeah. and you know, you know, it's crazy. Well, you know, it's crazy. Absolutely. In five years, we're all going to say, yeah, everyone's got one. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things. Everyone does really. Five years, forget about that. I think almost everyone does now. So you're right. I'm, I'm sure. Here's the difference. Here's why it's 10.0 or whatever you want to call it. Eduardo Atuesta, Eddie Segura, Janela, Cifuentes. No, that does not exist in the beginning yeah. of it. It was impossible. It just And there was no disrespect to those teams, to those GMs, to those uh, players. It could not happen there. It just could not happen. And it really couldn't have happened until about five years ago, quite frankly. Maybe just at the tail end of Beckham's time, because Beckham changed everything mm-hmm. when he signed. And that will forever be the biggest signing in the history of MLS, no matter what. And then once he kind of went through his career as we were living it, and then afterwards, then it, then you can start to see the difference, really. It's after Beckham leaves, essentially, that now it's just those things wouldn't have – Edward Atuesta, he would have never known MLS if he had been born when, you know, and, it would, and was 25 in the, you know, late 90s or – I mean, come on. It's right. just it's amazing what the league has become. And we never would have found him either. There was no scouting well, apparatus exactly. back back then, right? And never I, found him. There's no way. It doesn't matter. Of course, you can find him. Yeah. <laughs> I, here's a funny. Here's a funny story about scouting. While we're talking about it, I was working at Fox Soccer Channel, and we did the Argentine game. And Ray Hudson had some money while he was at the with DC United, and he needed to find. There was he worked on a couple Argentine playmakers, and he would call. He called me and goes, "Look, I can't get to Argentina. I don't know anybody." What do you think about this guy? He plays for Boca. I go, yeah, he's got this. I'm doing the scouting and I, I appreciate it, but he's looking for any kind of information. He gave me three names, all guys that I called a game of at some point that season. And I always talk to Ray about that. He goes, that I go, that was a, a real highlight for me because I felt like a scout. That's because yeah. these guys are being offered to him. He goes, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I go to every resource. And that includes this kid who's calling Argentine games from Seven, eight thousand miles away off a tiny monitor, and I will take whatever I can get. Yeah. But that's that's the world it was. And to take it back to your point, uh, Vince, with me watching a lot of football, for some reason, I don't know how I found it, but on my cable system, I had the Uruguayan League for a while. I don't know, I don't even know what channel it was. I was just watching oh, it all of a sudden. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it was, Max. And, you know, because I got there's so much soccer, you know, thankfully on our cable systems now and our and our uh, you know YouTube TV like I have now and everything. You can find soccer anywhere. But I was watching New York Wine League for a while. Even then, I still didn't think we could get Diego Rossi as I watched him. You know, I, did, I just didn't think that was possible. You know, okay. and now look what LAFC can do. You know, they bring in Rossi and then they bring in Ginella. They bring and it's amazing. You know, Ryan Rodriguez. I mean, I never thought I didn't think that was possible as I was watching these kids play for Peñarol. Like, mm-hmm. oh, man, and he, they're just they're going to Europe right away. I'm sure. You know, like that's as I watch them. I was looking at the you know Cornejo, the uh, you know, Cornujo, the 31 uh, year old right back, thinking, ah, oh, maybe LAFC could get him. You know, and who. Uh, so they're bringing you from Dave, you know. So wow, you know, like this, it's, it's a whole different game. No, yeah. no pun intended, but it really is. Wow. By the way, the, the people that will benefit is our, our, our the next generation, because uh, I think with all these pieces, the way it's happened, the one big thing that hasn't really clicked is people watching this on TV. It's because there's a lot of other soccer, uh, and there's also the, so many other sports that compete with on a regular basis. But I think that will come because the product will get better. I think we've seen signs where. MLS is getting closer to Liga MX. And that's a huge first step to be coming because Liga MX is probably the seventh or eighth best league in the world just because of all the finances. And if MLS can spend that money, they could rapidly move up. I think we've seen that where there were so many barren moments along the way, but the growth like from the early 2000s and then the Beckham effect and, the, and then the arrival of a, a Giovinco and several others to where you get Atlanta, LAFC and expansion teams with this incredible desire. Uh, to be successful. So it, it's, yeah. it's continue to move. And it is cyclical on some level. I, I joke with Vince about it because I know you're such a Juventus fan, Vince, and I am not referencing Juve in this at all because they are, have always been great. But it was about four years ago where I said Serie A was less if you took away Juventus at the top. The whole league was garbage about a handful of years ago. And now look, I mean, it's fantastic again. It doesn't take that much. It's cyclical. Things happen, you know, maybe a, a lost generation or so or whatever, you know, it just, it does happen. And yet with the way the money is being spent now, I think by most teams in MLS, very smart, you know, certainly LAFCs that right at the forefront of that, go after those younger kids. Even if you're paying a little more than you think, you know, than some people might think they're worth, even if, you know, as long as they're good players, they'll grow into that. I mean, it, we certainly see these owners have the finances they, you know, yes, there's restrictions on them, but in, in a way, when you're going after a 21 year old, even MLS's rules and rest- there's not really any restrictions on that, essentially, unless you're looking to find, you know, some guy you're going to pay 90 million for. That's not going to happen. But how many of those are out there? You can find plenty of great talent, especially down in, like, like Max said, Argentina and South America have been great for MLS. Yeah. I mean, you, you're you're ahead of your time with the Serie A thing, Dave, because if you really do look at it, and I know people are going to think that that's crazy. They're going to say Serie A was once the greatest league in the world. And it was. Yes. But the things that they were missing and the things that they've been starting to do better was they were missing great stadium. They were missing great atmosphere, which is MLS has been doing better of. And they've decided to stop chasing that guy. Look, it's funny that Juventus is the one team that goes, let's go get Cristiano Ronaldo. But everyone else is actually saying, hey, well, how can we find that player that's like a Diego Rossi, which is... Why we, when we think about Diego Rossi, we think, hey, maybe he should move along to somewhere like Italy because they've embraced that and it's made their product that much better. So they made it more fan friendly, but also just more pleasing. And they've, they've given up the hope of being that. And I think that's what MLS did. If you sort of put aside the hope of being the number one league, which the Premier League for all, for all they've done and all the money they have will be 
for the foreseeable future. But if you put that aside, man, you can have a pretty great lead. Like, well, you're not wrong. Dave's waiting for that day. Hey, the, hey, this whole all this is happening. You read about the Premier League. That gap, that gap might start to close. Oh, it no doubt. The, the Premier League bores me to tears, guys. Right. I'm sorry. It <laughs> year's been awful this year. Yeah. yeah it, well, that's fair. That's it's the last year. It, it, look, it's the best competition, Vince, realistically, for soccer because there are a few better, you know, like it's Juventus and the Serie A, and then it's, they're a cut above everybody. We know Barcelona and, and at the Real Madrid are a cut, you know, a couple cuts above everybody in La Liga. Maybe Atletico Madrid can scare you occasionally. But yeah, the Premier League still has a better four or five. But man, after that, it's, you know, I mean, I got a buddy who lives in, and breathes Brighton, okay? They would not win MLS Cup. I hate to disappoint him, and he would be able to deny that till they're terrible. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like discussion. The teams in the championship will beat these MLS teams, and that oh, is absolute folly. No chance. No. Utter folly, please. I, I loved it when Robbie Keane came over here, and was banging in goals, and everybody was still like, "Oh, the championship is better than MLS." This guy would light up the in every league two everybody oh stop let's see back in the first year mls was around it was better than league two and league one. marco echeverry could play anywhere in the world i mean let's go it's ridiculous come on and let's you know even looking back then look there was a lot of guys again who were just trying to find their way there was a lot of talent in mls even as i look back sometimes the more you look back you're like whoa there was, you know, there was some good Tab Ramos. And I mean, just, yeah. there was some good players going through this league at a time when you just maybe didn't even really appreciate it because we're just worried the league was going to be still around financially. <laughs> it's, and to that point, it's, they've done well without the real contributions of the contemporary great Americans. They had it with Tim yeah. Howard and Dempsey. Or Tim Howard to the degrees he came, but Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley came back. But that the good generation are now all European based. For the first time, really since the beginning of the league, can you say that there was always good American players here? But really, there's a handful that shouldn't yeah. be. Look, Max, I understand. Like in theory, if they all play up to their potential, yes, Christian Pulisic is the most talented American player, no doubt. You know, Weston McKinney. Eh, I mean, yeah, on paper, everybody thinks he's supposed to be. Great. I haven't seen it quite yet. Like, but they've yeah. been picked away. Like, I think there's a I I think like, consider him North American, but Tyler Adams, Zach Steffen, guys that have been plucked away. Tyler Adams is very good in MLS. Yes, no doubt. He's very good in the Bundesliga. He's not dominant. In, he wasn't dominant in MLS. He was a great player. He's great over there, too. Like, I, I don't think Weston, uh, there's three players in Dallas to play his position that are as good as him. I mean, so there's plenty of MLS talent for the U.S. national team. That's a whole different argument for another day. But that is a good point, though. Back in the day, that wasn't the case at all. I mean, we couldn't even make that argument realistically. Whereas Landon Donovan made a big difference, though, staying you know, staying here, coming back. You know, people say he failed miserably at Bayern Munich. That's ridiculous. He could have every time he went over to Everton, he was the best player they had, even for the four weeks he was there. As soon as he yeah, stepped no on the preseason, pitch, just showed up. You know, I love how, you know, MLS was supposedly off. It didn't affect Landon Donovan's game. He was the best player at Everton every time he stepped on the pitch for four weeks. And then he came back and played with the Galaxy. So that was a big difference, though, having him here, I think, because he was American soccer at that time, realistically. So and maybe, you know, I mean, maybe it comes to a point where some of these young guys that you look to sell all the time for MLS, maybe we've got to start thinking like, 
maybe we got to break the bank for them to keep them here, you know, one or, or two of them just to see. Maybe maybe it's the next Pulisic, whoever that might be. Uh, a lot of people talked about Josh Sargent, but again, he's not lighting it up in a bad team over in, in the Bundesliga, although he's a nice player. So, yeah, maybe that next Pulisic, MLS has to kind of say to themselves, maybe we got to make him rich before he kind of deserves it, but we got to keep him here. You know, maybe that's the next step. Maybe that's 11.0. I don't know. But. There we go. 25 years MLS, we're already going into 11.0, and we we ended up with a great Dave rant to to really take us home there. Dave, that was can I, I, I could do this all day with you guys. Story, right? Okay, okay. Tell, one you gotta have one Beckham story. I have stories. stories. This is story done. But my favorite Beckham story is at the time, you know, when David Beckham announced these signs, obviously big, you know, huge deal. So we have the press conference. At this time, I'm a season ticket holder for the Galaxy, and I've been covering them for years. I've been pretty good with the organization that way. You know, they know I'm a fan in the sense that I'm, you know, the front row of the upper deck every year with my season tickets, and I cover them and, and give them publicity and all that. And I'm known as the LA soccer guy. So they, you know, I come off to the press conference. I'm going to get the first question with the Beckham press conference in our room. As Max knows, there was about five different rooms. There was so many media people there from all over the world that he had to do like five different press conferences. So they come into our room and I'm going to get the question. And, you know, David's coming over from Real Madrid to the worst team in MLS. And I'm frustrated with them at the time. I mean, they were terrible, right? So uh, they open up the questions. They say, Dave, get home, go ahead. You know, and I'm like, so David, how does it feel to go from the best team in Spain to the worst team in America? And he looks at me and here's when I knew we were going to be all right. The league, everything, it was the best signing ever. He looked at me so mad. And said, well, we'll see about that, won't we? And it was all, oh, I need to be here. I remember hearing that over the airwaves, Dave. Yeah. I remember hearing that that exchange. And that, wow. that was it. And, you know, nobody got mad at me to the Galaxy because they knew I knew what I was talking about, I guess, at that they were terrible. But it, it proved, I kind of wanted to see how he reacted. And all I needed was that reaction because it proved to me, of course, we know he's a winner. But he's coming over here for the right reasons because he had fire in his eyes as soon as I said it. And, you know, obviously it took a little time, but he proved himself right. Obviously, yeah. you know, the league and he and his, and the Galaxy were lifted and he played well. And, and the league, it's the best signing in the history of MLS and it always will be. Uh, let me follow up quickly. In 2005, Real Madrid played Quick, the Max, Galaxy. We <laughs> we're going to have a story time all day. It's, it's all one-upmanship. But I remember it was Real Madrid and I asked him, and this is another, I asked him, would you ever consider playing here? He goes, yeah, standard's pretty good. And... <laughs> Uh, he's going on, and uh, um, he's, uh, he's like, yeah. So I don't know if I put the idea in his head. We interviewed him, and then Fabio Capello comes in. And I go, Fabio, uh, great game here. You played them. Who who stood out for you for uh, for the Galaxy? And he sits there, and he goes, um, uh, number 10. And I go, uh, <laughs> number 10 is Landon Donovan. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> It was all preseason. He's like, stop asking me these questions. Exactly. He barely knew who he was starting in that game, probably. Yeah. Right? He was on his bench at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, great stuff as, as always, obviously, Max. You were you were living it, brother. You were right in the thick of it. And actually, I credit Max. Vince, I credit Max a lot with Fox Soccer Channel. That was a big thing for us. You know, the internet is where we lived as MLS fans in Fox Soccer Channel. That was it. Yeah. I mean, those were the two things that really made I think it made MLS survive, along with ESPN, to their credit. You know, obviously, did a, you know, they've done a great job at ABC and all that. But, yeah, those are the ways we lived it. You know, that's the only way we could follow that fledgling league at the time. The Internet saved us in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. BigSoccer.com, let's be honest. Yeah. That's where I 
<laughs> the message boards. Yeah. Yes. I mean, no. well, I, That's how- I, uh, I already washed up Max pretty good before you came on. So I, I, I have to begrudgingly give him another compliment, but it's, it is a pleasure to work with both of you to learn from both of you, the, the wealth of knowledge that you guys have the, and, and not, again, it's not just the big time knowledge. It's the little stories that you guys bring, um, has really given me a different perspective in, in the way I cover the team. And then just honestly, the, the, the two guys that you are, I mean, I can never, there's never a chance where I feel like I can't ask you guys something. And that's something that's great. And I think that's one of the great things about MLS is we've all kind of grown in this together. So it's been an absolute pre- pleasure to do this with you guys and to have you guys on here. And even if you think I'm calling you old by saying we're going back MLS 25, I appreciate well, both of you. Go get us a cup of coffee, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say it lightly, guys. I feel like I'm cheating off of you guys because I use your work so much in my work, you know, and trying to prepare and everything with watching it on YouTube TV, seeing what I need to see from, uh, you know, Max and, and being around the team. And then Vince, obviously, your information is invaluable, you know, and how you cover the team with LAFC.com. I truly appreciate it. And thanks for all the kind words. Thanks for having me on. I'm sorry. I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, ch- yeah. I'm really wanting to speak. Let's put it that way. Well, hey. in person next time. We got to have you in person. Hey, let's, we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. I mean, this is good stuff. I think people like it and people love you. And we're a good team. And I'm glad we said that. We're a team here, just like LAFC. Every part of it is a peg in the big machine. And uh, that's why we, everyone's good peeps. So uh, anytime, man. I appreciate it. Anytime you guys want me, I'm here. All right. Story we'll, time we'll with Dave. It's a new thing. It's going to happen. Story inside, time with Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Vince. It's been you inside of C. We will be back. If you want more MLS story time, we will be here all April. So uh, be safe. Be sound out there. And uh, if you're in L.A., remember, if you go to a store on Friday, you got to wear a mask. So I'm just going to remind everyone, you've got to wear a mask. Oh, yes. Yeah, use, the, use the LAFC scarf if you have to. Why not? So. Or they'll give you a ticket. We'll talk. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Vince. Talk soon.